Oh, did you hear me belch? Sorry about that. I did. I was very impressed. Oh, well, I just had a hot dog. <laughs> and now I'm having another hot dog. I'd rather have dinner at your house. I got cold cereal tonight. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Do, well, do we, we need to wait for you, you to finish your, your ice cream? Nah. Nah. Let's get rolling. Hello! You want me to bring it in, or Scott, you want to bring it in? I'm going to do the synopsis. I want to bring it in. Hello, and welcome. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Back to the Bins. Is this Back to the Bins, or is this something else? What no, this is doing? Back to the Bins. This is an official Back to the Bins. This is Back to the Bins. <laughs> and as you heard, that uh, was Paul stuffing my face, Spataro. I am Dr. Bill Robinson, and with us are two more people. So one of you say hello. Hi. That was, of course, that was the LMD of Scott Gardner because he's really not here. No, that was Scott. Who else is here? Greetings. Ah, and now a man who has been promoted to a regular on the show, Mr. David Pascarella. Good to be here. So I guess, am He's I a like regular irregular? Am I downgraded the guest star by now? or? <laughs> <laughs> so we're I, talking tonight. Uh, notice I didn't let anybody finish that. <laughs> answer that question. Uh, tonight we are discussing... Or today, depending on when you're listening, we are discussing the Justice League movie. Well, excuse me, Justice Society World War II movie that came out on uh, Director Video. Uh, this is the topic for tonight. Do we have any Justice Society news or any other? Uh... <laughs> Boy, we're getting really specific, aren't we? Sorry, fourth to have it from doing Listen to the Prophets for so long. Well, it's that new Dr. Fate show. <laughs> is there? Really? I'm not thinking there is. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, uh, we are, uh, um, we've all seen the film. Uh, how many times have each of you seen it? Twice for me. At Twice same... for me, too. Scott? Scott's falling asleep. Scott, Scott went to the mirror to admire his beard. Scott's, Scott's muted. muted. Oh. <laughs> Scott is muted. <laughs> once. Ah, once. Yeah, I have also seen it twice. The first time I was, uh, well, should we do the plot first and then discuss it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Jump right into the plot. I'm going to read the plot. It's already pre-prepared, so nobody, you know, those of you that tur- turned off, well, maybe you'll come back on in a few minutes, or you'll, you know, you'll come back at a half an hour thinking I'm finally done. No, I didn't write my own synopsis. So, spoilers. I, what? Spoilers. What? What about spoilers? spoilers? We might want to give a spoiler alert. Spoilers that if they haven't seen it yet, that there may be spoilers. Well, duh, we're going to talk about it. Well, now, I'm just, I'm just stating okay, the obvious. Fine, fine. Well, all right, Captain Obvious. Maybe you should have been. Spoiler alert. Okay, there you go. There we go. Ah, so this was released uh, April 27th, 2021. Runs about 84 minutes. And we, we, could do, we could do the Listen to the Prophets thing. How old were you when this came out, Bill? 
53. Oh, wait. Fuck, I'm 52. I keep forgetting. How, I don't know how old I am anymore. Oh, and I dropped an F-bomb. There goes the there goes the show. So, here... <laughs> Here is the plot. On Earth 2, with Nazi Germany invading most of Europe and Adolf Hitler seeking magical artifacts, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt is asked by Colonel Steve Trevor to get the United States involved by creating – wait, is asked by Colonel Steve – no, doesn't he ask Trevor? Anyway, involved by creating a team of superhumans consisting of Trevor, who is not a superhuman, Black Canary, Hawkman, Our Man, Jay Garrick, The Flash, and led by Wonder Woman – the Justice Society of America is formed. On Earth-1, Barry Allen and Iris West picnic in Metropolis, hoping to get away from work. However, their plans are disrupted by Superman fighting Brainiac, and Allen comes to Superman's aid as the Flash. When Brainiac fires a kryptonite bullet, Flash tries to catch it, but he, but he runs so fast that he channels the Speed Force for the first time, guided and, and wild... Blah, 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 blah. Guided by Dr. Fate's voice, Alan arrives in what he believes is the past during a battle between the JSA and the Nazis. Despite initial confusion over his allegiance, the JSA, the JSA realizes Alan is an ally after he defeats the Nazis and saves Trevor, and that he is apparently from the future. As the team mobilizes to stop a second wave of Nazis, Alan takes Trevor back to base, where he learns about the JSA, whom he never heard of before. After meeting quote-unquote Shakespeare, the JSA's war correspondent, and Trevor attempts to propose to Wonder Woman, which we'll discuss that, I guess, the JSA meet for their next mission. Despite the risk of causing a time paradox, the heroes realize they need Alan's help in saving a codebreaker from a Nazi fortress who can decode a message Trevor stole. Arriving at the fortress, the heroes in quote-unquote Shakespeare, break in, defeat the guards, and discover several prisoners in the dungeons. Quote-unquote Shakespeare rescues a prisoner who says some, someone told him of his arrival, which I don't think we ever get a payoff, and implores him to prevent something from happening, giving him a package. A guard attacks, quote-unquote Shakespeare, only for the bullets to bounce off of him. Hmm. hmm. When Wonder Woman, Alan, and Trevor arrive, quote-unquote Shakespeare, identifies himself as, wait for it, Clark Kent. Huh? However, when he reveals a different background from the Kent he knows, Alan realizes that he is actually in a parallel reality. The rest of the team finds the codebreaker, whom Hawkman recognizes as Dr. Fate. Breaking the code with his powers, Fate directs the team to the Bermuda Triangle before disappearing. Arriving at the Triangle by sub, the team is detected by Nazi warships. After death, death, blah, 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 those little exploding things that fall down into water and blow up around subs, disable the engines, the flashes jumpstart the sub while Wonder Woman heads out to destroy the enemy ships. The heroes are saved by Atlantean soldiers who direct them to a nearby outpost. Met by the advisor, <coughs> Psycho Pirate, <coughs> The team meets Aquaman, who imprisons them. It is revealed that the code was a Nazi trap, and Aquaman is being controlled by the advisor. It's a trap! Who is influencing the Atlanteans to work with the Nazis in hopes of destroying them later so he could take over the planet, blah, 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 blah. After the Flashes realize that they are becoming weaker while they are together – much like marriage. They join forces to regain their strength and break out. What? Oh, anyway. The team splits up, one heading for New York to stop the Nazis and Atlanteans, while Alan and Wonder Woman try to stop Aquaman and the advisor from releasing monsters from the trench. Atlantis attacks Manhattan, along with the Muppets. Wait, no, it's a different movie. And are confronted by the JSA. They gain the upper hand until the trench monsters arrive, killing Hawkman and wounding our man. Garrick and Canary destroy the monsters while Wonder Woman and Alan arrive and fight Aquaman, during which she destroys Aquaman's trident and frees him from the advisor's control. Realizing what he has done, Aquaman retreats in shame. You talk to fish, dude. However, the advisors reappear reappears and reveals that a follow-up strike by Nazi bombers is imminent before killing Trevor. Barry knocks out the advisor, 
Kent, now dressed in the costume given to him by the prisoner, returns to destroy the bombers. Realizing he must return to his Earth, Alan shares his goodbyes with the JSA. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman gives him the ring Trevor gave her, warning him of missing opportunities with his loved ones. Alan and Garrick use their combined speed to send the former back to the moment he intercepted the kryptonite bullet. After destroying Brainiac with it, Alan suggests forming a team to Superman to combat future threats. Alan then returns to Iris and proposes to her, which she accepts. The end. All right. My initial thing with this was the first time I watched it, I was uh, uh, one. I was like, was this kind of long? And two, I was kind of, it's all right. It has moments. Uh, you know, uh, the voice cast, I thought uh, Stana Kadik uh, was an interesting choice for Wonder Woman. Did you guys ever watch Castle? She was the, uh, she was the uh, police detective on uh, the show Castle. Oh, I didn't was, realize that. Does she have uh, as pronounced of an accent on that? No, but she is. I believe she is actually. Uh, if I remember, I could be wrong. Well, she's from Canada, but I think she also spent time or did some stuff in Russia. So that's why I don't know if you caught like she sounded a bit Russian sometimes. When um, ah yes, serving Cyrillic is a Canadian better to play da, 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 Kate Beckett until on Castle. Yeah, I believe she's got some uh, some German. German. See, I, I like the. It, voice on on in the Wonder Woman uh, in the movies because it's a little bit more subtle and she is you know from Israel so it's not mm-hmm. like they got an American trying it's got to do more an of a accent. Mediterranean feel which isn't that where is uh, where is Paradise Island supposed to be I'm not really even actually. sure but I just kind of like the subtle the accent I don't like when it's when it, when it, when it feels like it's you know. Like, you wouldn't want me to be doing the voice. No. Uh, you know, if somebody has too strong of an accent, I don't think it it works as well for these cartoons, in my opinion. Now, the voice of The Flash was Matt Bomer, who was on uh, White Collar, plays the, like, the lead thief. He also, in um, uh, The Doom Patrol, plays, uh, ooh, who does he play? Negative Man, I think. Anyway, he's in that uh, – yeah, he plays the guy that was the pilot. I think mm-hmm. that's Negative Man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, just looking through – I mean, outside of those two, I didn't really recognize anybody else. Darren Chris, who does Superman slash Shakespeare, uh, he was big on the show Glee that my daughter used to watch. Ah. And I think he he did he did a show on Broadway. I don't, I couldn't even tell you what it was, but I know you know my daughter loved Glee, so she went to see his show, and then she stage doored and got him to autograph the uh, program and stuff. So she's a fan. Mm. Oh, did she watch this with you or no? No, she's up at school. Ah. Oh, gotcha. Ah. But uh, so. it's, I, I I mentioned it merely in that he's a name I recognize. Hmm. Yeah, other than that, you know, those two, uh, and I mean, I recognized, once I looked at the guy's picture um, for the guy that played Hawkman, I believe that's the guy that just on the last season of The Mandalorian played the doctor, um, the Imperial doctor that, uh, well, one that, you know, when the, in the initial season, he was, try, he was with uh, Werner Herzog trying to get, get the, uh, the child you mean the young guy? Yeah, the young, the young guy. guy. Right. The only Imperial you've ever seen with glasses. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so just just to kind of give my initial thoughts on this one, uh, I really am. I was very disappointed based on the fact that I feel this is a serious missed opportunity because I don't see them giving the Justice Society a lot of opportunity to be out there headlining their own. You know, uh, I guess what would you call it? Animated movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see that happening much. And when they finally did it, first of all, they had to tie it into the, the Earth day. One Flash in yeah. modern day, which I really just felt was totally unnecessary. And then 
I just never got the feel of the Justice Society out of them. You know, one of the things that, you know, we've, we've talked about Stargirl episodes, and one of the things I loved about it is whenever we got somebody from the Justice Society or even the, uh, you know, the, the, the legacy heroes from the Justice Society, it felt like they were being really true to the comics. This didn't to me. It just felt like, okay, we're going to give them the look and the name, but it just doesn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel like the characters to me. Well, there was like like vague references to their background, and and I am I in, incorrect? I don't remember Black Canary being in, or was she? She was, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there was yeah, a I thing did. where she was on Earth too, and then she came to Earth one. Later. Oh, okay, that's uh, all right. But but it's just you know it seemed to me like they really just kind of they didn't really I didn't feel like they did any character development, or I think they kind of paid lip service. It's kind of like character here they are. Oh, you know, and, 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 yeah. even Barry, who's the one who they, you know, oh, look, you know, he, he's learned to uh, treasure life and propose to Iris. But it still felt like, eh, <laughs> you know, I didn't really feel like I was getting character development. I didn't feel like I was getting character moments. I didn't feel like anybody stood out. You know, I guess Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor did the most because they yeah, did the thing I with him was... proposing all the time. That had the most... Um connection i guess you could say to to the characters everybody else was just kind of there even superman felt kind of i don't want to say misused or or, yeah forced it was nice and scott may want to chime in here it was nice that he was jumping from bomber to bomber yes yeah i noticed that too i really like that i got a real fleischer vibe out of that portion of the movie um, and I really was wishing since they changed the, I noticed that his costume was different from the Superman at the beginning of the movie that, that the flash had had the brief encounter with. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that, you know, since they changed the costume and they were making the differentiation between the two Superman, that they would just go with a more golden age feel, but they, they didn't, that Superman looked very contemporaneous. So I thought that was kind of an odd choice but this is a film of odd choices so it, it kind of works in that in that regard i guess it was like they threw several storylines together into one because like some of it is clearly uh the dc special 29 but instead of it being the valkyries you know they go with the whole trench business yeah, I, I didn't really appreciate the use of the uh, trench there, and and I didn't think that the monsters from the trench, unless I'm missing something, I didn't think they looked like what we got in Aquaman's series. No, because they were more like a massive, like a massive school of of fish instead of one like giant Cthulhu looking land shark thing. Yeah, and the whole well, that was... the, the whole throwing in like that series they made. It's got to be 20 years ago. I think it was called The Nail. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. Superman's yeah. whole life is different because the Kent's got a flat. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you throw all this stuff together and you got one big mess. I just feel they could have. That's a good call because I missed that altogether because I, I was. When he said something about the Kent's having died when he was, what do you say, like three years old or something. I was stuck. I'm like, what? Where the hell are they pulling that from? And I totally forgot about like the nail and all that. So yeah, that because well, the nail is he raised. He's raised because... like by Mennonites or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Living on, he's yeah. living on a farm, and then his family, his his Mennonite family, is killed, and like in the blast, you know, that's when you see that he is actually Superman. Right, it's been a long well, time since I read was... that. The whole thing with calling him Shakespeare is that is that a reference to Kent Shakespeare? Because that's a super obscure and really bizarre reference, if it is. Oh, see, I well, just I don't know if it's because he was a war correspondent and right. they were saying Shakespeare. That's kind of what I got. But you're saying there could be a deeper thing of thing thing to it, Scott. There was during the what did they call it, the five-year-later legion, you know, the the Keith Giffen legion that was, like, post-crisis, the, the kind of darker legion that Keith Giffen did, there was a character that was called Kent Shakespeare, and he was a bespectacled, 
like Superman. And it turned out that he was like a descendant of Superman or something like that. Mm. And I mean, he's just, he's a super, super obscure character. And so, you know, if that's what they were referencing, it's just what a bizarre reference. And that's all I could think of is when it was revealed that he was Superman, I was just thinking, what what was the Shakespeare thing all about? And that's I, I couldn't shake the thing of Kent shake, you know, because, of course, Clark Kent. And I just couldn't shake it. And I'm like, that's just that makes really no sense. I mean, it's kind of cool from like an Easter egg perspective, but Easter eggs are supposed to make some sort of sense. And that one really doesn't make any sense at all. So it was really weird. But that was my problem with this movie. Now, I want to say right out of the gate, it was a fun watch. I mean, I'm glad I watched it. It was interesting. Um, But it's weird because it's also, if you're a continuity wonk like me, and you go in with certain expectations because, come on, it's the Justice Society. The, the, The Justice Society finally gets a movie. You know, that... I I was pretty pumped for this going into it. I was excited that, you know, this team that I still think of is kind of unknown. I mean, I know comic book people know it, but even amongst comic people, there's still, uh, you know, a lot of people for which the the Justice Society is a pretty big blind spot. So, you know, being invested in these people and being a big fan of the Justice Society and the All-Star Squadron and all that sort of thing, I was pretty jazzed that they're finally getting their time in the DC animated movie spotlight. So I went in with pretty high expectations. And right out of the gate, this was a lesson in, for one, you you had to try to turn your continuity brain off, which I had a really hard time with with this one. But it was a it was kind of a just a, a lesson in frustration because they just make really bizarre choices throughout the entire feature from characters that should know each other, not having any clue who each other are, um, to not figuring out what the hell earth are we dealing with here? Uh, you know, just all kinds of problems. And probably the biggest one that really frustrated me was the name of the movie is Justice Society World War II. And about halfway into the movie, all of a sudden it takes a, a left turn into Aquaman Throne of Atlantis. And I'm like, what, yeah. what the hell is going on? I mean, it's all like of a sudden, it's no longer about fighting World War II. It's about fighting Atlantean monsters. I'm like, what What the hell am I even watching here? So it was It was very frustrating. And again, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I, I did on a certain level. But it was a, it was a bizarre it's, watch. It's I mean, like it the really movies, it's going down a slide. It starts... The beginning of the movie is the best part of the movie to me. And it's slowly... Yep slides down the hill you know from the start with fdr the trailers what sold me on this i saw yeah. that trailer with that opening scene with roosevelt and i was like this is the movie i've always wanted but once you got into it i thought it was going to go through the whole way you know hitler's looking for all these magical artifacts and they're showing you the clips you're going oh this is going to be you know like the comic where they're going to go into Europe and the spear of destiny and all that. And then, like you said, it becomes uh, the throne of Atlantis. I mean, it wasn't, I, I'm with you. It was enjoyable, but like, like I said, it, it goes downhill from the beginning. It's, it's, it was enjoyable, but it's also, I think it's going to be, in, you know, highly forgettable. I mean, I just watched it a day ago and I'm already, it's already falling out of my brain. So it's, it's I don't think it has any real staying power. You know, it at the end, like you say, it starts really strong. But at the end of it, it kind of felt like like a mediocre extended episode of like like Justice League Unlimited or something like like not one of the better episodes type of thing. You know what I mean? But like, didn't like you want to see, later on you struggled. I'm sorry? Didn't you want to see them fight the Nazis more? Yes. I did, yeah. The the not like when Wonder Woman's kicking the hell out of the Nazis at the beginning, I'm like, damn, I'm liking this, you know. But then, like you said, it takes a weird turn, and I don't know. I, there was some whole thing about Aquaman was was under the sway of a Nazi, and I just didn't get it. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Because I thought that the, 
that the guy that was controlling him was his brother. The no, yeah, I, when it first yeah. started, I thought the same thing until I read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any – like how – in he says one – I watched it again tonight before we got on just to, just to refresh myself and try to figure out – is there any clue about him being a psycho pirate? And he only has one line where he says, like one little passage in the in 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 the movie after they've all been captured by the Atlantean magic or whatever or technology, and he's standing outside and says, "I was found by them. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a pirate on the seas." It doesn't say he's a psycho pirate. Doesn't say where he gets his power from. He's not wearing the freaking mask of the psycho pirate. But yet he's the psycho pirate because his character shares a name that one of the versions of the psycho pirate does. And I'm just like, really? This this could have just been a rogue Atlantean. It would have been better. I mean, because nobody outside of certain people or people that read the Wikipedia or people that are stooped in psycho pirate lore are going to even get. He could have just been evil Atlantean guy that wants to side with the with the Nazi surface dwellers and then turn on them. His, this, this whole thing of him being the psycho pirate is pointless. Is point he really supposed I, to be the psycho pirate? Yeah, I, he is. Yeah, he is. I got the vibe. Right, that, as, as he was on the screen, I kept thinking off. of uh, Grimer Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yeah. Right, yeah. That See, that just pisses me off then, now knowing that, because I am steeped in this stuff. Oh, sorry. And, and, you know, he's not wearing the costume. He's not using the Medusa mask. So how, I mean, I hate that. I, I hate when they, they do these things, and I don't care if it's DC, Marvel, whoever. Well, because his character's name you've is called. Go and you've got to look at, a, you know, like the, the X-Men movies are terrible with this, where, you know, you get these X-Men movies, and unless you go to, like, the Wikipedia page, that's where you have to learn that, you know, here's the list of the X-Men that are actually in this movie. Instead of just making it obvious because of the way that they act and the way that they're costumed, it's like they disguise them or something. They, they, they're nothing like their comic book counterparts. You wouldn't even know it unless you look it up. I hate that shit. Well, put his him, character is supposed to be the psycho pirate. Put him in the damn costume, you know, he's... make it obvious. His name is Charles Halstead, which was a minor character who appeared in All Star Comics 23, and eventually worked. You know, they worked him up, and he became the Psycho Pirate. But then Roger Hayden, I think, is the second one. I think the one yes. that uh, is the more in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. So, but yeah, so the, the the they didn't need to do that. They're trying to put too much into this. They do that all the time, as of late. It's like the whole Superman versus Batman debacle. Well, DC seems to, you know, they're, they, it seems like in a lot of things, and now in their animated movies, they're just desperately trying to capture that that Marvel magic, but Marvel took a long time to build that up with their, yes. you know, connected universe and they're trying to just shove everything in to shortcut it <laughs> you know what's what's ironic is dc was always okay but the animated stuff dc is much better at so now marvel just says you know what let me dip my toe into what if <laughs> and it's like okay much better than this that's for sure i've only seen the first episode so i haven't, I haven't seen, seen any don't spoil all right no nope, spoilers nope. there but you know to me you know, what I started off saying was that it was a big disappointment because I felt like it was a wasted opportunity. And it really kind of colored my entire viewing of this thing. When I put it on, and like you said, the whole FDR thing seemed really cool. It looked like it was going to go, it was going to be exactly what I wanted based on that. And then they cut to Barry and Iris on a picnic, and it was like, it just soured the whole thing for me. It really did. Well, all right. You know something. Let that, me ask you. I'm oh. hoping somebody knows what what purpose did the Flash, the Barry Allen Flash, what purpose did he serve in this movie? Because I never found it. Here's here's my theory: is just that it was purely marketing because he's better known because of his TV series. Mm -hmm. Well, plus they're trying. And he to... did have the Iris character model from the TV series, not from what yep. we used to get in the comics. Yep. And well, that's plus... fine. I don't have a problem with that, but. It really, it just, it took away from the JSA-ness of it. Yeah, because they needed they needed the, the modern Flash to win, ultimately. 
Well, they had to have again trying to put too much. They're trying to jam the Flash of Two Worlds into this, right? Yeah, that's they needed to make this just a JSA cartoon. Yeah, and and JSA only in World War Two. Yeah, just just don't explain anything. Just give us this story here. You know, although it was nice to see Superman with a mustache. Clark Gable mustache. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do a period piece taking place in whatever year this was supposed to be, the 30s, the 40s, whatever, you know, during World War II. Then there were some things that, that really were a little bit troubling. Now, I, I get it and I agree that, you know, having Wonder Woman, one of the most powerful members of the DC universe, be their friggin' secretary during the golden age of comics was insulting. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. It was insulting. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm fine with that falling by the wayside. However, flipping it completely, you know, swinging the pendulum completely the other way where she goes from being the team secretary to now she's the team leader, I thought was a little too much. I, that I didn't get at all. And I, I'm well, not I kind of really saw Trevor as the leader and her as the muscle. I was thinking he was like Nick Fury. Nick Fury or uh, or what's his name from uh, from the Suicide Squad? Yeah, Flag, Rick Flag. Flag, yeah. Yeah, and but I felt I felt like she was the field leader. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Honestly, that didn't bother me though because I think right now she's she's the only one in in the DC you know recent time who's had a decent movie. That the first Wonder Woman movie was was solid, although I guess you know Shazam. Uh, but I mean, most of the DC movies have been from you know bad up to fair to middling. I haven't seen you know anything that's better than that, and I think the first Wonder Woman movie might be the only one that might qualify as better. Uh, you know, and I think it does qualify as better to give my opinion. So. Since she had the best movie of the bunch, I'm okay with her being the team leader. Put her front I would and have center. Liked, I would have liked to have seen the military have a little bigger role in the movie because it's a period piece. It's during the war. And, you know, they were famous on the covers anyway for interacting with the military. I just, you know, my biggest thing is I just didn't, I didn't feel the personalities of the characters. Because they didn't really have it. And that's, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I really think, you know, you, you, you hit it on the head that, that uh, DC special JSA origin issue, you know, with a little bit of tweaking, they could have just gone right with that. Yeah. I would have, I would have greatly preferred it over this. I thought they were going to take a very dark turn with this, to be honest with you. In the initial encounter where Flash has no idea who they are, and you're led to believe that it's the past, I'm like, they're going to kill them all by the end of the movie. And everything will have been Mm. classified. So, you know, that's why he didn't know who they were. What do you think of them killing off Hawkman? Eh, he'll be back. Yeah, well, he has been reincarnated many times, so they do have their their get out of jail free card on that one. And the ripoff of the movie, though, of killing Steve Trevor again. Ah, eh, he'll be back. I wondered about that. I have not seen the Wonder Woman movies, but uh, but knowing <laughs> what little I know about them, I kind of wondered if that was taken from the movies or not. I thought the first Wonder Woman. I would recommend watching the first Wonder Woman movie. As I said, I think that was slightly above average or somewhat above average. Uh, the second one I thought was terrible. Second one's terrible, hundred percent. I would not recommend that at all. I mean, they even took like a musical cue from that first movie when she first appears on the scene in battle in a shopping mall. <laughs> In the 80s. Well, in the in the interest 
of of not being completely negative, uh, I, I do have a few positives. I don't know if you guys do or not, but I, I do have a few positives on this. There were some things I genuinely liked. Um, I the, it looks and sounds fantastic. Um, I as agree guys, with that. I, I, yeah. I have a I have a I have a pretty top of the line you know home theater system, so I'm very very snobbish when it comes to. You know, if it doesn't look and sound great, then I tend to kind of stick my nose up. And this sounds fantastic. The the sound mix, the surround sound mix was excellent. It's actually better sounding than some live action uh, pictures that I've watched recently. So I, I was very impressed with that. I thought the animation style was really good. It was very fluid. Um, DC still leads when it comes to you know animated stuff in in my opinion you know between Marvel and DC although as Paul stated you know uh, what if looks pretty damn impressive that that is really good but yeah I, I was really impressed with that and uh, I was trying to pay attention to the score I you know I, I caught a lot of it but the main theme you know the the introduction in the movie uh, I really liked I thought it it, it fit because. Sometimes, you know, with period piece or superheroes, I mean, there's so many superhero movies now that it's, I think it's getting a little tough for some of these composers to come up with something new and original and something that really fits. And I thought this was really, really good. It really evokes the, the feel of the era, the feel of, you know, this is a team and, you know, the history and the grandeur and all that sort of thing. So I, I thought that was really cool. I, I liked the music quite a bit and it's a composer I whose name I, I've since forgotten the name, but it's not a name I was familiar with or recall ever having seen before, but a, a really good job. Um, I was disappointed with, with the team mix. I, I mean, it's, we really only get just a few characters. I mean, the JSA is a, you know, it's a classic roster of, you know, and a, and a lot of classic heroes and a very diverse and kind of oddball mix to the team. And, this team was too, but it was weird because it it was pared down. So, you know, we only got just a handful of characters, and I thought that the mix of characters they went with was kind of strange, but they made the right call. At least they got Our Man in there. Our Man kicks ass, and I, I love Our Man. I love his look. I love his powers. I love his whole gimmick. And uh, it was really cool to see him not only in it, but actually play a pretty big part and do some really cool stuff. And uh, just watching him kick ass and, you know, throw cars around and turn over tanks and stuff. I was loving that stuff. Uh, that was some of my favorite stuff of the whole movie was was the Hour Man bits. Um, yeah, I, did, I also liked the way they hit on, you know, his, you know, he was ready to take the pill, but it was too early and they had to tell him, no, don't do that. Right. You know, it hasn't been 24 hours yet. I, I still don't know how the, that, the pill actually knows how to tell time, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I liked that, you know, when he was miracle up, he was awesome. He was like Superman, you know, in that yeah. power level or, or like what? In the strength but level. But I also like it added some drama to the whole thing that when he wasn't miracle up, he was kind of a liability to the team. And I liked that. I, that, that made a really interesting dynamic because – here you have simultaneously one of the most powerful members and one of the most vulnerable members. And I, I thought that was really an interesting dynamic and a, and a really cool way to play that character. Um, I also, even though it was a little weird and, and like I say, it, I, I don't like the turn that the story takes, I did like some of the way that they used Aquaman and the fight between him and Wonder Woman was awesome. I was getting a serious fight. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a game that was out, this was probably early to mid-90s. It was called, for some strange reason, it was called Justice League Task Force, but it was one of those um, side-scroll like, versus games where you could pick, the, you know, you, you could pick, like, say, well, like Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and they would fight each other. For whatever reason, you had the Justice League fighting each other. I don't remember why, but you guys know the game I'm talking about? You guys remember this game? Mm, it was kind of like, yeah. like Marvel Capcom, except it was just Justice League characters. And I loved that game, and that I got a serious vibe of that, watching Aquaman fight Wonder Woman in this, because I just, you know, that's not something you really ever see, and it was just fun to see. 
And I think people forget sometimes. I mean, Aquaman has become such the butt of jokes and memes and stuff on the Internet. I think people forget sometimes that Aquaman's pretty powerful, especially when he's in his own element. And he was really kicking some ass in this. And that that I liked because I'm a big Aquaman fan. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then even though I really didn't care much for his portrayal in most of the movie when uh, when they get in the big jam, because I always watch things like this or even when I'm like reading the comics and there's like some big world threat in the DC universe, I, I invariably end up having the same thought no matter what it is, whether it's Teen Titans or or whatever the book is. I always have the same thought when the threat gets big enough. Where the hell is Superman? And having Superman show up and save the day at the end was awesome to me. I love that, especially as as you say, he was more, more like the the Fleischer Superman, where he was jumping instead of flying and all that. That was cool. That that was kind of a you know pump your fist, hell yeah kind of moment. So that, that was cool. But other than that, that's that's about all I've really got for positives on it. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm glad I watched it. I'll forget about it in a week and I'll probably never watch it again. So, you know, take that as it was. I, I'm glad I didn't buy it because I was tempted when it first came out. You know, it came out on uh, and DVD. There's even like a 4K DVD out there for it. And I was really tempted to pick it up. And I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I just watched it on streaming. So. Sure. He beat me over the head that I bought the 4K one. <laughs> Well, the, the the nice thing, and I haven't seen it yet, but apparently there's a Commandy short on the uh, the Blu-ray. Whoa! Oh, that I did not know. I'm gonna have to hunt that up. Have you watched that, Dave? I have not. I, I heard it. Uh, what I heard that. is the the style is very Kirby-esque. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm just telling from what I've read, uh, and that it was. Uh, I think it may. I think it may be a takeoff. Remember the? Uh, I forget which issue it was, of Commandy, the one with Superman's uh, costume. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. I think. It, I, think it, I, I think it may be that. Well, one. No, wait a minute. Is that who that person in the prison is supposed to be? Oh. Because he he said they told me to give they. Now I thought maybe that. Doctor Fate told this that kid in the cell who's blonde has blonde hair. Is that supposed to be Commandy? Maybe Dave has to watch this short and tell us. I just remembered I was watching. I had this playing in the background, and I just pulled it up, and it's at that exact part of the movie. And you know what? I think that probably is Commandy. Just looking at his character model, that probably is him. So yeah, the two, I forgot the two all about tie that together part. is that's a cool aspect. Mm. It ties together with that's, that. That's pretty neat. That's cool, but again, they're jamming yeah. so much in there, and there's no payoff. Unless you buy the other thing, I guess. Uh, whatever. Uh, I did, while we were chit-chatting, I looked up a little something, uh, an article that was attached to the end of the Wikipedia. So apparently, um, this movie started out originally as a Wonder Woman series in World War II. Yeah, I saw that, but I and I guess that that kind of accounts for Wonder Woman being front and center on the team a little bit. Yeah, because I, I would imagine that doesn't go into detail, but I would imagine maybe at some point they would have encountered um, Aquaman as well. So, kind of interesting. Now, I'm trying to admit, I thought there wasn't an Earth Two Aquaman. I don't think there was. Oh yes, there is. Yeah. Oh, there I is. thought he showed up. I thought he showed up much later as kind of a retcon after the Earth One Aquaman already existed. Uh, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on the whole thing with him, but I, one of the things I also liked, and I didn't make a note of it, but one of the things I also liked about this animated movie was when Aquaman shows up, he's wearing the yellow gloves. And that was a nice nod because that was how you differentiated in the comics between the Earth-1 and the Earth-2 Aquaman because Earth-2 Aquaman did have yellow gloves as opposed to the green gloves that the Earth... uh, Now I'm confusing myself. Earth-2 had yellow, Earth-1 had green. Yeah. Okay, and I stand corrected because Aquaman first appeared 
in More Fun Comics number 73 in November 1941. So I am totally wrong. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's, very, he's very rare moment when I'm wrong. Well, I, I'm not sure what you're wrong about. I mean, just how long the character's been around. Is that what mm-hmm. you're saying? I thought he was an but, Earth One creation and that they retconned him into Earth Two. Uh, I don't. Yeah, again, you might be right about that. It's just no, it can't be because he was in 1941. Off. Right. There was no Earth One, Earth Two when he was created. Right. But I, I think he's one of those characters that they didn't really incorporate into Earth. I think I think he was very late to be incorporated into Earth too. I think that might be what you're getting at. Because I, I I'm trying to remember if memory serves, and this is really testing the old brain muscle. But if memory serves, he was introduced into Earth 2 by Roy Thomas very late in the game, like like just as Crisis was about to just wipe everything out, I think is when he was introduced in. I'm, I'm almost positive. I bet Mike Bailey would remember on that. I'll have to make a point to ask him sometime. But uh, but that that's my recollection of it anyway. I don't remember Earth 2 Aquaman ever being part of like, you know, JSA, JLA team-ups or anything like that sort of thing. I, I think he came in pretty late in the game. So you're kind of right. I mean, Aquaman's been around a long, long time, but I think that those Golden Age adventures of what is now arguably the Earth 2 Aquaman, I think that they were either ignored or they were supposed to be the backstory of some sort of like shifting timeline thing of the Earth One Aquaman or some, some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Until they figured out that okay, no, 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 there there are two of them. Much it, it was kind of vague. It was like Green uh, Arrow was the same way because Green Arrow. I mean, did you really need two of Green Arrow? I mean, you know, was he really? That, that big of a character to, to need two versions, but eventually they did. You know, the, there was the, you know, the Earth 2 that was the Golden Age look, you know, without the beard and, you know, more of the Robin Hood outfit and all that. And then there was the later uh, Earth 1, uh, the Neil Adams-inspired uh, story and all that. All right. So, I mean, I think we've kind of given our basic thoughts on this one, uh, but I guess... Maybe we should each just take a chance to give it our final thoughts and maybe give it the old back to the bins A through F rating. Okay. Hmm. Who wants to go first? I'll, I'll take it first. Uh, I think I may have been most negative on this. Uh, and as I, as I think I, I said several times, it's mostly my thoughts that it's a missed opportunity because I just don't see the JSA getting this particular chance again. And that's a shame. Uh, I, I think, you know, if, if you're going to give them the one shot, then you really needed to, uh, to 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 do it right. And I don't think they gave it a fair chance to do it right. Uh, I, I think, you know, Scott, you kind of hit on it's it was very forgettable. Uh, there was nothing about it that really gave me that feel of the JSA. Uh, I didn't think the characterizations were particularly well done. I did. I do agree with you that I thought the animation and the uh Character models were, were, were solid. I thought the sound quality was solid. Uh, I might have made a couple little ch- different choices with the voice actors, but nothing too dramatic. I don't think that was necessarily the true negative of it all. Uh, but it's just the fact that it's forgettable makes me put it at a, a C minus. It's just I, you know, when I saw the coming attraction, I had such high hopes, and I guess that's always the problem when you hope too high. A lot of times it comes back to bite you. Yeah. I'll go um, next. Uh, oh, 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 go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, go, Bill. Uh, overall, uh, a C. It was. It was. It was okay while I was watching it. You know, I had some nitpicks. Uh, it has its moments, but it drags, and uh, and at some point I felt like, when's this going to be over? All right. Well, why are we in now? We're with with the Atlanteans. What's going on? Is this two movies? Is this five movies? What's going on? So, C. Overall, just to see. Do you want me to go? Go ahead. Um, 
there were a lot of things I did like in this movie. The, the, the whole opening with FDR, to me, that's my favorite part. I, I love the way they did it with the very subdued, almost uh, black and white. But yet you can see clearly the red glow of the cigarette that FDR is smoking. I like the getting to see the uh, JSA meeting table. I got a kick out of that. The communication devices that they had in their ears worked on Morse code instead of just verbal communications. Um, the idea of two flashes draining the speed force. Um, one of my more negative criticism is the, as I've said, the whole uh, trench storyline with Aquaman, but especially the, you know, I'm a, a nitpicker when it comes to things that I feel aren't realistic. Granted, it's a superhero thing. The whole attack on New York City, to me, that looked like an attack on Atlantic City with the steel pier. Um, I liked, like Scott, the uh, Superman from the Golden Age leaping instead of flying. And I think the biggest missed opportunity was, you know, during the war, they had all these... Uh, not propaganda, but more educational posters, you know, loose lips sh sink ships. They could have had the flash. Don't get crabs. And uh, <laughs> overall, <laughs> I'm glad somebody got a delayed reaction. Um, overall, I gave it a C plus. Like I said, it was a slope. It started really high. And slid down to slightly lower than mediocre. So overall, C plus, just a little bit above average. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to break it down kind of like how we do our comic book grades here. So I'll say, you know, as far as uh, the animation style, I thought the animation style was was really good. Everything looked really good. I was not at all crazy about Wonder Woman's redesign as far as her visual redesign. I thought it was very odd. She looked like she had a cone head or something. It was clearly very influenced by the current movie Wonder Woman, who I'm just not really crazy about. Um, I did like the voice acting of Wonder Woman, though. I liked that for a change, somebody remembered that, oh, wait, this chick should have a, an exotic accent. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but the sound design was was really incredible. I mean, I give it top marks for the sound. Uh, you know, the 5.1 mix was really, really good. So excellent surround sound, uh, good animation, that sort of thing. Uh, the biggest problem that the thing has is the story itself I don't know what they were going for, and I don't know that I necessarily would have wanted it to be an origin story, although it probably was, honestly, it was probably best served being an origin story, or at least having some form of an origin story in it, because, again, I just don't think that these characters or this team is that well known by Joe Public. So I'm wondering when Joe Public is wandering through his local Walmart and sees Justice Society World War II on the DVD rack, does he even have any idea what the hell that is all about, you know? And I, I really seriously doubt that they that they do. But if they pick it up because, oh, Wonder Woman, I liked that movie, so they pick it up and check it out, then I think you kind of owe it to them to give them some sort of context and some sort of origin story. And this really doesn't, it just kind of dives right in and that's fine. If you're going to kind of dole it out and make it make some sense as it goes along, this really doesn't, it doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve the newbie coming in that doesn't really know anything. And it definitely doesn't serve the invested fanboy who's really steeped in this stuff, because that was my biggest problem with it is that, Hey, I'm fine with adaptations being different than the source material. I've gotten pretty used to that with comic book adaptations, but this was just bizarre. I'm fine with different, but this wasn't so much different as that it was frustrating because you couldn't ever really pin down what are they 
what are they adapting this from? What version is this supposed to be? What are they getting at? Um, and it, it was a lot of little things. It was the fact that Flash had no concept of a justice society. So that right there makes it like, okay, not only is this not the past, but it's evidently an alternate reality that they've never crossed over into before. Okay. And then the Flash doesn't know, you know, Barry Allen doesn't know Jay Garrick. That was really a curveball to me because that character is integral to the comic book origin of Barry Allen. So it was lots of, you know what I'm saying? It was lots of little things like that, that, that over time added up to a lot of things. So it was never one little specific thing. It was just a lot of little things that overall just gave me this uneasy feeling of, I don't know what you're going for here, but, but cumulatively it just didn't feel like what it should have felt like. It, it didn't give me the, the warm fuzzies that I was expecting going into it. It was really a, kind of a, a, an object lesson in frustration more than anything. And again, you know, if you're going to call this thing World War II, then I think it behooves you to make it a story about World War II. And at the end of the story, it's a freaking invasion from the bottom of the sea story. And that makes no sense to me whatsoever. So, you know, sound, animation, characters, voices, all pretty good. But the story was just like, meh. And it was very, very, very forgettable. I mean, a week from now, I'll, I'll struggle to remember what the hell this was even about. So on that level, I'm going to give it uh, a C minus and I'm tempted to go much lower. But it, it, it did have some things that I genuinely liked about it. And I, I hope I praise those high enough. Um, the other thing real quick, none of us mentioned this, but I just I wanted to see if you guys noticed this. I noticed this a lot during the movie. And and I started watching for it once I noticed it and it was constant through the whole movie. And I think it really lent into my feeling that the movie was kind of slow is that there's a very weird cadence to the whole picture in the way that characters interact with each other. So it's like a character will speak. And it's in a certain shot, like it's you're looking at Hawkman, for example, and he's speaking. And then there's a pause and the shot will reverse. So it's a completely different shot of the character he was speaking with. And there's a pause and then that character will speak. And then there's a pause and it will cut back to him. And so it was constantly there, there was never a flow to conversations and characters rarely spoke within the same shot or the same frame. It was always framing of the character speaking, pause, switch to the other character. They're on screen. They suddenly spin it. You, know, you, you see what I'm saying? So there's always like a like a lag in the dialogue. Did you guys notice this? It's funny you mentioned that because when I was rewatching it, my player allows me to speed up a certain bit. And I bumped it up to like 1.3 times and that got rid of it. And it really made it sound like more natural dialogue. It, they, they weren't even like talking faster, but it took a lot of those that yes, because I was watching it on regular speed and I was like, my God, this is so, this is going to take forever. I'm like, let me see if I could speed this up. And then it was like, back and forth, back and forth. It was a much I, I would highly recommend speeding it up by a quarter or a third. And uh, it flowed a lot better. <laughs> that almost makes me wonder if maybe they were not in the same room recording oh, this, you know, like 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 the dialogue was recorded separately, like it wasn't a jam. No, session it was recording. just poorly. It was just poorly edited because you could fix that in editing. You can fix it's right. an animated movie for God's sakes. All they have to do is read off the lines. They can put they could put it in however they want. It's I mean, especially if they're single tracks, they should be able right. to overlap them or have them cut back and forth quickly. Yeah, the dialogue did not it it wasn't banter. It wasn't quick uh respond you know, it was always this weird lag 
in the response. And I, I couldn't help but take notice of it after a time because it really lent to that feeling of this, this kind of drags a bit. Were they trying to drag it out to a full length movie? Maybe, uh, you know, I kind of wondered about that, too. But the problem with that, though, is that, you know, it, it's weird because it's it's almost like one of those things where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't when it comes to an animated feature, because I've seen it criticized so many times when an animated movie runs more than 90 minutes. I, I see people criticize it like crazy because Americans have become used to cartoons, even mm-hmm. feature film cartoons being on average about 70 to 90 minutes. So you go over that and then people bitch. But then you've also got it on the other side where sometimes people feel cheated, especially when it's a release like this that's put out as like a DVD that you don't feel like you got your money's worth because a feature film is two hours. And this isn't a feature film if it's not two hours. So I I suspect you could be right. They could could have been padding it. But the problem is, you know, if you're going to pad it, then you got to be really clever on how you disguise that padding. And they were not clever because there was a lot of wristwatch checking for me. And I've only seen the movie once, but as I was watching it new for my one and only time, there were a number of moments where I'm like, okay, how much longer does this thing have? And that's, that's the kiss of death for any movie. When you're checking your wristwatch to see how much time's left, that, that tells me, you're not really into this. You're not really digging this if you're just, okay, wrap it up, fellas. I'm ready to go. So and, I think yeah. two two examples, one where they did it right, one where they did it wrong. When Barry and Iris are talking, Barry's kind of talking fast. Iris is talking slow, and there's pauses in between where she's making faces or he's making faces. And that was kind of a flow. Hawkman and Black Canary and some of their discussions – it's just like there's these long shots where they're just not talking and it's just like that just this pause and then the other person talks and it just didn't that's where i kind of saw that there they were doing the same thing with 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 barry and iris but they cut with iris is making a face or she's doing an eye gesture they're filling in that gap with something else to keep your attention but when in the middle of that film with hawkman and uh and uh, Black Canary, yeah, I was just like, oh, let's just go. Get this done, please. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of it through the whole picture. There was mm-hmm. there were several moments between Steve and uh, and Wonder Woman where I was like, Speed why are they talking so slow? Why, why are they dragging this conversation out so much? So, yeah, it was very awkwardly paced. Very awkwardly paced. It's what happens when you have an intern edit it. <laughs> I just hope all listeners aren't thinking that. Well, see, that's why, why are we they do still talking. Truncate silence. <laughs> yes, actually, it's a great tool. <laughs> they could have done uh, that in this movie. Yeah, that would have been a great idea. Uh, I guess that's it for our review of this. We should just touch on quickly because we've been teasing at uh, that you're going to see some new things on the show. Or you're going to hear some new things. You're really not going to see so much. Uh, but we are making some slight format changes. Uh, not so much that we're not going to do what we've done in the past, but we're going to just kind of try and do things on a more regular schedule uh, and kind of rotate uh, things such as uh, reviewing videos, reviewing random comics, which has always been you know the backbone of the show, uh, talking about creators. Uh, just spotlighting individual issues and at some points we are going to continue with uh jsa and crisis but you know everybody uh you know we we don't have a firm schedule set on it yet but we are in the process of putting together a uh a stockpile of episodes and as that becomes available, you'll start hearing things and they will be more, again, more on a rotation basis uh, so that you you can kind of, you, you'll probably be more able to predict what's coming up, you know, as far as the types of shows. But again, this is uh, it's all subject to what we can get recorded. So I hope you guys look forward to it the way we look forward to doing it and, you know, that we get, we were kind of stoked by, about it. So. 
I guess that's that's all I have to say on the subject at the moment. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. And all that said, thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week and you'll hear something. Something. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Something. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>